On the 28th of November 1979, an Air New Zealand sightseeing flight TE-901 crashed into the side of Mount Erebus in Antarctica. All 257 passengers and crew on board were instantly killed. At the time here in New Zealand, it seemed like everyone knew someone connected to the tragedy. I knew someone too. Over the years, we've heard a lot of stories about Erebus, the cover-up, the court case, the controversy. But here's some stories you might not know. Hi, I'm Lizzie Oakes, and when I was 10, I lost my nan, Muriel Florence Rose Harrison, to Erebus. 40 years later, I'm a broadcaster, and on this podcast, Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts, I'm speaking with others whose lives have been impacted by the disaster. Episode 7. It Still Impacts. My big sister Carolyn Head was in London on her OE at the time of the accident. In this episode, we chat about our much-loved Nan and of how difficult it was to be so far from home when the accident took place. Hi, Carolyn. Good to have you here. Something that I've often felt, because you and Mark, our brother, you know, you're both a bit older than me, and that you actually um, knew Nan for a lot longer than me. Yes. And any time you've sort of talked about her, I think I've sort of, I've realised that I've sort of sat there almost wistfully like, mm. oh, you know, just hearing those stories, that things that I might not have known. So what, what do you remember of Nan? What was she like to you? Yeah, so she was a really safe person, I guess, when things felt maybe a little bit chaotic at times. She was a safe person to be with, but she was even a safe person to think of. Well, what I do know is I don't think she realised um, the impact that she had on our lives as our grandparents. She just was a stable person and going to her house was always a positive experience. It, it, um, and even when she passed on and then mum moved there, there was that same connection of a safe place to be because that's where she had been. Mm. Um, when you say about she was a safe person to think of, what do you mean by that? I don't even think I've ever said that before, <laughs> but I just realised that when I think of her now, I just have, makes my heart feel warm. And um, I just think that maybe when I was upset to think of Nan, even when I wasn't with her, had a calming effect. Oh, that's so beautiful. What sort of things do you remember about her, like doing with her, especially like you and Mark are both mm. a bit older than me, you know, when you were little, what did you kind of do with Nan? Probably what I can remember more than anything is, is staying the night at her house. It was, you know, that was always fun and um, because we always, and Mark will say this too, that when my grandparents had a cup of tea in the morning, they would always bring us a, a round wine or a vanilla wine biscuit in bed and sometimes some sultanas as well. So that was like a, a real treat that, you know, just didn't happen in our day-to-day life. I'm happy to report that she continued that uh, tradition with me. I don't remember the sultanas, though. I remember mm. the jars of peanuts. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. It's like, and I you love just those. open up the cupboards. It's like, mm. what am I going to find in here? Yeah, yeah. A treasure trove. Yes. Yes, and she was such a treasure. So when the accident happened and um, I realised that, you know, Mark wasn't in the country, but neither were you. So you were over there in the UK in London mm. and... How did you first hear the news of of what had happened? Uh, well, Mum called me and I didn't even know that Nan was going on that trip. I don't even know if I knew there was such a thing. So the whole thing was new. I'd had a strange feeling throughout the day. I felt kind of off and I often wonder whether there was a sense of 
knowing in my spirit. And so when mum called me, I think she probably didn't even get a chance to say much. She just said something about Nan and I broke down. Yeah, so my flatmates came out to (laughs) calm me down so I could actually talk to my mother and find out what happened. Yeah, so that's how I found out, (laughs) which I, yeah, must have been so hard for mum because it was her mum and then she was breaking the news to me and, and hearing my shock and grief down the phone would have been really hard. And the thing is, back then, like 40 years ago, to be on your OE, we didn't have text and Skype and you couldn't get free phone calls. I mean, it was it was expensive. Yeah, it was. It was a massive deal to yeah. actually make a phone call home. Yes, it was, absolutely. And then, like here, it was all over the news and everything. Mm. Was it all over the news there? Yeah, it, it was actually all over the news. So, yeah, I mean, I did go to work the next day and told the people that I was working with. And, yeah, so it definitely was all over the news. I mean, that must have been so incredibly hard to deal with because mm. none of your family, none of us were there with you. No, yeah, it, it was. I, I think I have a sense of and had a sense of not knowing what to do with it. You know, I mean, mum said don't come home. I mean, there sort of didn't seem to be any point. But once the initial um, flurry of news about it died down, then I was on my own with it and I think I just filed it away and maybe a lot of people did that. I feel like I had to do it sooner because there wasn't that uh, shared experience of being in the same country as as everyone else that was going through it. Um, and then how much later did you come home after uh, to New Zealand? So that happened November and well I think I came home at the end of May. So then it wouldn't have been all over the headlines and things. No. And was it even talked about? don't particularly remember it being talked about. I mean, I know that our family of origin wasn't, wasn't a family that was particularly good at talking about things, but that was probably part of our Kiwi culture as well. But also, I mean, well, for mum, she would have been in shock. Yeah. You know, dealing yeah. with your mum and then you've mm. got three kids on your own and mm. it's pretty huge. So each year, you know, Erebus pops up in the news, doesn't it? Mm. Like we've had 40 years of that. Um, What's that like for you when it comes around each year? It still impacts me. Like, I mean, I know death can be like that, but for some reason this seems to have something extra and and maybe that's what other people experience. It's always been a, a weird thing. Something that's hard to find words for. Yeah, and and I don't have any other experience of such a dramatic, traumatic uh, death and a shared experience. I don't. I, I I haven't been involved in any other, so I don't know if it's the same for other people that have this sort of public loss. Um, and also, and another with many things with an accident. You know, it shouldn't have happened. So maybe that creates an extra layer of grief. I don't know. I just know that I feel it in my body every time it comes around. So 40 years on, and I mean for us, we we didn't get our nan back, did we? We we didn't get a body to mourn. And I know as I've got older, I, I realise, like, what a big deal that is, mm. not to have a body. Yeah, yeah. Not to be able to go and spend time with your loved one. I don't even know if people did that 10 years, 40 years ago anyway. Like now we've lost other family members that we've mm. 
mm. you know, gone and spent time with them and that was an important part of saying goodbye. Mm. I know for me, I don't know if you feel this way, like when Mark actually went to Antarctica, that mm. that actually really helped put something to rest for me. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a big deal actually. It, it it did maybe in some ways bring some resolution. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like a very honouring thing to do and it did feel like he was going there to say goodbye to Nan on our behalf. So although I didn't go, we didn't go, there was a sense of being there with him in that. What's your thoughts um, around the memorial, the planned memorial like? Well, in the sense of I like where it is, um, I, I think it will be, I will enjoy being able to, when I visit Auckland, to be able to go there and um if it is there, hopefully. Yeah, if it is there, yeah. <laughs> well, wherever it is. Yeah, it'll be nice <laughs> to, to have there. someone to visit, eh? Yeah, and, and I, I'm a person that likes looking out to the horizon and so being in a place like that, if it is there, I, I will enjoy that, being able to commune with Nan and, yeah, in that place. Do you think that having a memorial like that would bring a sense of, would help bring a further sort of sense of closure? Yeah, possibly. I, I guess I hadn't thought about it like that, but it seems very appropriate. I mean, I wouldn't have dreamed it up myself, <laughs> um, but it just seems like fitting that there should be such a thing. And I think because it's such a shared tra- tragedy, it's it's a tragedy that New Zealanders share whether or not they had a close person, but it's part of our history. And, and so um, to have a place that marks that seems right and fitting and I think will be of benefit. Thanks for listening to this episode of Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts. I'm Lizzie Oakes. Thanks to Scott Gillen, my audio engineer, and to Rima Media for their support. In the next episode, I'll be speaking with Miriam Clancy, singer-songwriter based in New York, who lost her Auntie Marie on board and shares her beautiful Waiata, ex Erebus. To subscribe, go to Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts on iTunes, Spotify or erebusengravedonourhearts.com.